This is Dennis Mundy. I'm here with my co-host, uh, Phil Goldberg. Uh, our show, our podcast, Spirit Matters Talk, spiritmatterstalk.com. Very special guest today, Mr. Russell Simmons, who is an American business leader and tremendously successful entrepreneur. He is the co-founder of the hip-hop music label Def Jam and created the fashion line Fat Farms, among many other successes and accomplishments he's had. Mr. Simmons is also a leader and spokesman in the area of spirituality. His latest book is The Happy Vegan, A Guide to Living a Long, Healthy, and Successful Life. Uh, Russell, thank you so very, so very much for taking the time to come on today. It's my pleasure um, to be on your show. Russell, and, um, go ahead. So um, it's my pleasure to be on your show, and um, and lots to talk about, I guess, right? Yes, yeah. we do. Maybe we can begin uh, by letting our uh, audience know something about your your really interesting background. You 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 became hugely successful, and in a sense, was one of the prime movers of making a new art form in hip hop, and then. Somewhere along the line, you became a yogi and a, a meditator and a, a spiritual practitioner in an outspoken way. Can you fill us in a little bit? What was the origin of, of your spiritual path? Well, you know, we all are spiritual beings with physical bodies, and we don't always realize it, but all of us have nothing, no choice but to exist in such form. So we're all spiritual. We uh, uh, have physical bodies, and sometimes we have uh, a sense that we should cultivate the spirit more than what the outside world promotes to us, or the outside world's um, kind of um, trappings. So we move more towards things that make us whole, and, and we operate from inside out rather than outside in more often than we did. I mean, obviously, we still struggle. So I think one of the defining moments was you know getting the courage to go sober probably 30 years ago 28 years ago and then the next defining moment might have been going to first yoga class i went because you know by then i was totally sober right so i went to yoga and um i went because it was all girls 58 girls <laughs> and my man bob survivor went up in there and it was like nothing but cute girls they didn't even have yoga pants back then all they had was like booty shorts or whatever i don't know it was amazing so i went there found yoga the first class. I went there for the girls, and they came out high as hell. Mm. Wow. You know, um, I discovered that, you know, working those, all those 14 parts of the body in that aggressive practice. The teacher taught with loud rap music, too. Steve Ross is a great teacher. <laughs> oh, I know Steve. Here in yeah, at Maha. He still teaches, yeah. right? I haven't been, I got to go to Steve's class. He's going to kill me. But I've been going to hot vinyasa for the last five years or so. But I got to go to Steve's class. But Steve was my first teacher. He introduced me to so much. He one day gave me the Yoga Sutras. He's a funny teacher who never discusses spirituality but lives like a monk, mm. right? Mm -hmm. He was a monk. He lives now like, you know, he's raw foodist for 40 years. He didn't, he didn't do anything. But yet he, you know, he probably sleeps with a lot of girls in class. <laughs> <laughs> but that's Steve, you know. He told me Lord Buddha's last problem was that, which I thought was pretty, uh, and I read it and said, Arthur, it was true that the temptress was his last struggle. Mm. Mm -hmm. but I got it because I, I did one day ask him, I said, you know, Steve, I feel almost enlightened except for these girls' asses in my face. And he's <laughs> like, that was Lord Buddha's last problem. Yeah. <laughs> he's <laughs> looking over his shoulder in the bathroom as he's peeing, and he tells me over his shoulder, Lord Buddha's, Buddha's last problem was not sex but indiscriminate sex with the mm -hmm. temptress, right? Uh -huh. 
I thought that was kind of an interesting thing, and it made me feel like I was almost enlightened as well, but that was years and years ago, and I was still struggling. But anyway, Steve taught me my first class, and then one day he gave me the Yoga Sutras. One day he introduced me to Eckhart Tolle, mm-hmm. and I gave that power of now. That was way later, but I gave that book to Oprah. Oprah made that book famous. She told everybody Goldie Hawn gave it to her. So all it's your fault. It, but, yeah, but yeah, and all of us were told that, <laughs> you know, all of us were given the book by Steve, but I went and saw Eckhart in Steve's backyard, and I was impressed. I gave Oprah the book, and she put it on the air, and she said Goldie Hawn did it. I said, you wanted a white woman to give it to you. <laughs> and I accused her that for many years. The other day, well, not the other day, but last year when I did the interview for Success Through Stillness, my yeah. book before this, which was about meditation, mm-hmm. I accused her, and she left it on camera, which was... <laughs> Pretty amazing. I, said, I gave you that book. Yeah. You want And she says, "No, I know that Helen Hunt was a student. Uh-huh. I know that Goldie Hawn was a student. It was kind of a Beverly Hills yoga class, right? Mm-hmm. But it was so many years ago. Yoga was not in vogue. Mm-hmm. Certainly not for men. Mm-hmm. You know, right. Meg Ryan was there. I mean, I'm thinking about all these you know, middle-aged. They weren't then middle-aged, but they were, you know, hot chicks back then, right? All of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so." I went to class not only for them, there was a lot of other girls, models and such. So that was my first experience. I came out of class high as hell, and I realized that this you know, was something I wanted to continue. And he gave me the Yoga Sutras, mm-hmm. the science book, which is, uh, I, you know, I like to refer to the science of happiness yoga. Mm-hmm. Yogic science is um, simple because it's the basis of all religion, mm-hmm. as so much as it is... Um, um, a, a, a guide to move you towards enlightenment. It is also nothing in, in the Yoga Sutra that would contradict the scriptures that were written after it. Mm-hmm. Six thousand year old book he gave it to me. Translation was Sachi Sandananda's. Mm-hmm. I started to study yogic science as part of my, uh, you know, life ex- experience. I and mean, it's just stuff that we know, like you read it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't really know, and you know, that's why I got told. I jumped ahead and told you about him because the Yoga Sutra, Second Sutra, Second Sutra, um, Yoga Shita Friti Narodaha. Oh, yoga you know the Sanskrit, great. Well, I know the Second Sutra. Everybody knows that, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, every yogi knows the Second Sutra, and if not all 194, and the Second mm-hmm. Sutra is yoga happens with the cessation of the fluctuation of the mind. I say, what the? What is that? What is that? And I got it. Yeah, when the mind is calm, then there is yoga. Correct. Right? I got it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I didn't get was what it looked like. And when Eckhart Tolle talked about the car accident, because in The Power of Now, he describes the state mm-hmm. of enlightenment so many ways until finally one of them sticks in your head. Because to him, writing the same thing over and over again, The Power Now, in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, he's trying to describe what enlightenment mm-hmm. looks like. And when he says a car accident... I've been in a few, and there's, you're fearless for that moment. Mm-hmm. You're free because the mind is shut off to the future and the past mm-hmm. and it's right. fully awake and looking at the present. This is the goal of yoga, to live in this mindset, this state of uh, connectivity, this fearless, awakened state. So the power of now is so transformative for me because it described yoga. Right, mm-hmm. and um, so then that's more. Uh, what am I looking for? What do I do? Why do I meditate? Quiet the mind so I can be still and awake. Every scripture, be still and know. Every mm-hmm. religion promotes 
this presence, this awareness, this God consciousness. Then it leads to, I guess we're talking about my book, Ahimsa. In the, in the yogic scripture, there are eight parts. As I said, the first one is the social laws, Ahimsa, non-harming, Satya, non-lying, Asteya, non-stealing, Brahmacharya, control of sexual power, which, you know, Steve Ross would say, I paid her. <laughs> I mean, and I didn't hurt anybody. Yeah. Non, non-harming through sex, right? I don't right. know what that means. Uh, I do know what it means, actually, because it almost always ends in harm. But right. It doesn't seem like hurting an animal. But anyway, it's there. This is the seven, these are the five steps, um, you know, that are equal to the yamas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing uh, more harmful than the first part of the first uh, Ahimsa, nothing more harmful to the planet and to the beings of the planet than consuming animals. Nothing you can do. Thousands of animals that you kill. The planet that you, you take up the space of 400 vegans, just a piece of shit, just a worthless. It's, it's a horrible, horrible, and I'm not an angry vegan, just sharing. Mm-hmm. I'm paying tax dollars so your American government can pay $38 billion to underwrite the poisoning of our children. And the poisoning of the planet. How long have you been a vegan? Then they give the vegetable industry 17 million. That's what they give. I mean, this is Peter's research. And they're usually pretty good because they're scared to death. Mm-hmm. They're always being attacked. So they say 38 billion government dollars go to underwrite the manufacturing of cheap food, which equals meat and dairy, and 17 million goes to vegetables. Mm. So that's why your meat is cheap. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, it's still the resources the weight and the cost to the environment is so devastating it will kill us all. Was that your initial motivation or was it health and your own uh, inner life? My initial motivation was um, compassion for the animals and the health thing came in as the final straw when I saw Die for New America mm-hmm. um, documentary. Right. R- Russell, I wanted to ask you, I, I had the pleasure of meeting uh, President Clinton a few days ago out in Iowa during the caucus time. And he looked uh, tremendously healthy for me, and I understand he's a vegan now. Have you ever discussed it with him? I never talked to him. Oh, I remember saying, yeah, you're glad you went vegan. I was meditating in the beach, and <laughs> it's so funny, <laughs> in East Hampton, um, right after he got, you know, he started going vegan and was getting healthy. And I opened my eyes, he's standing over me. Yeah. I'm president. Like, what? <laughs> he said, hey, Russ. So, so you're going vegan. He says, oh, so you moved to L.A. <laughs> it's, like, it's gossip columns, you know. And it, the fact that the president knew where, where I went, it was like, that was a lot to me. I mean, I don't know why, but I feel like, damn, the president read that I went to L.A. <laughs> he wasn't the president then, but still, the idea that he was vegan was interesting to me, and he was interested that I left New York, which was shocking. Right, right. Um, mm-hmm. I was meditating on my old beach that I used right. to live near. Right. Well, I still had the house at the time. Right. But anyway, uh, him going vegan is a big step. Mm-hmm. Beyonce going vegan, big step. Mm-hmm. Big people with big mouths. Teaching Oprah to meditate taught a lot of people to meditate. Mm-hmm. Now, now Russell, you know, teaching you. Ellen DeGeneres to yeah. meditate taught a lot yeah. of people to meditate. Right. I take credit for having given them their teachings. Right now, you've all. Been, I feel I, like I wanted to ask you something, Russell, because I know I first became familiar with your spirituality not because you were work, working with famous people, because a buddy of mine, Mario Arsati, was teaching with the David Lynch Foundation and Bobby Roth at a at a at a shelter for homeless men in, in Harlem, where they gave him the opportunity to learn meditation. You came, I, I went and visited there, and you had recently spoken at, to this group, and these were all guys that were down and out, incarcerated for many years, some of them alcoholics and all, and they were totally blown by your talk. 
So you went to the people uh, at the other end of society that were really struggling. You gave them your message of spirituality. And I was really impressed that you did that and that it seems that some people meditate, develop spiritually for themselves, but then other people, or at least a certain point after you've been doing that, you got this tendency to share it and try to help other people. And that's where you seem to be at. Is that right? I think it's, listen, I, I, I think celebrity is really valuable. I went to Flint, Michigan yesterday mm. at the cover of Yahoo. They just showed it me a second as we were talking. And all kind of hundred, maybe a hundred million impressions for the people. I brought them 150,000 bottles of water. Rush mm-hmm. Card did. All, we had 1,700 customers there. I figured corporate mm-hmm. responsibility, make other companies corporately Right. You know, feel a little, little weight, like join me. I'm a little $100 million company, the multi-hundred billion dollar companies in some cases. Not multi, but $100 billion companies in some cases. And these guys can, they, they service them. I only have 1,700 customers. If I can give 150,000 bottles of water, what, what can you give? So I try to challenge people. But it wasn't the gift because I noticed that the game gave 500 grand. Mm-hmm. The game, the rapper. Call that nigga. Please, the game, Sagan. Make sure I can speak to him. Um, the game gave, make sure you get the script. The game gave $500,000. Puffy gave, Puffy and Mark Warburg gave a million bottles of water. Um, a lot of plastic going down there, though. Uh, mm-hmm. That's not good. But, you know, but the point is, people are twisted. It's the worst travesty on the planet. They need nutrition to save them. And they can't keep giving them milk to them get calcium. That's some shit. Giving them milk, mm-hmm. I'd say that, that's going to, you know, help them. They need calcium because of the lead. And they're giving them milk. You know, I mean, it's like the government is poisoning us, and they and they front and telling FDA saying milk does the body good, it makes you want to smack the shit out of somebody. It is really, um, I don't even know what to say about it. It's, it's actually don't want to hurt anybody, but I don't want to entertain that, and I mm-hmm. want the world to know better. Sometimes you just say things in ways that they can digest them. Mm-hmm. Like you want to smack the shit out of them, and then they'll listen. <laughs> so. <laughs> Right? I mean, real talk, right? You've got to say stuff that people listen to. Right. I mean, Trump's doing it. Well, you're known for that, I guess, um, growing up. But I, isn't it something that's in Flint? It is horrible. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And it's horrible. And, and if it happened in Beverly Hills, you wouldn't have about two seconds before mm-hmm. somebody's being cuffs. Right. You know, if you're negligent, you run somebody over, you go to jail for being negligent. If you're negligent and you're the governor and you and and you, you, and you know that you're poisoning people? I mean, knowingly poison people or thought it might be dangerous. Which one is it? Hmm. It might be dangerous to drive off the curb, drive on the curb. Hmm. You're breaking the law first. Yeah. They broke the law. But then they were negligent when they didn't read the signs that were told to them a hundred times. And they were, when they covered it up and let more people die, more people get sick, and 100,000 people, then they get on TV and say 100 people might have lead poisoning. And that's recently when that happens, and you know it's a hundred thousand people. It's yeah. it's it's got to be that the governor's got to go to jail. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm not a retribution person. I don't even believe in uh, a re- rehabilitation through punishment. I believe you know, put everybody in the room and say how good a person is, and send them home. Mm-hmm. And if that doesn't work, then put them to himself for a little while and give them counseling and send them home. If that doesn't work. Put them in the counseling for a, until you feel safe. Don't let them hurt people. I don't believe in that kind of rehabilitation. Uh, but I do believe you've got to lock him up so he can't hurt nobody else, A, and so other people will be afraid mm-hmm. in a situation similar to that where other environmental racism could occur. I believe it's important that we make statements. 
that we don't play that. It's not all right to poison the poor people. It's not this, all right. This is an example of um, your your uh, activism and your dedication to social justice. You're also a well-known philanthropist. Would you say that a lot of that action, those activities, grew out of your spirituality, or is the impulse always there with you? All of your actions to help others grow out of spirituality. You're moved towards spirituality, and you're finding that it makes you whole or happier. Speeds up that evolution. One step towards God. You heard that rap? I'm not mm-hmm. a God outside of me kind of guy necessarily. I don't know for sure what kind of God guy I am. Mm-hmm. But your move towards your higher self always makes your higher self move toward you. Mm-hmm. One step toward God, two steps back to you, all that rap. That's real. All you have to do is meditate in the morning rather than get high at night and see if you don't feel better. Speaking you know, morning of- meditation beats. You know, what they promised you is true, basically, in the scripture. What they told you is true. Not everything, not some of the shit, you know, that is what I'm saying in terms of how you live your life to be happy. In the Yoga Sutra, certainly it's just science, but in religion, tell you walk this way and they have to, what it is, it's like walking down an alleyway and you have scars on each, I mean, you got bricks on each side to scrape your arm up. You walk straight, <sighs> easy. You walk to the right, you might not even realize it, but you're scraping the fuck out your arm. Mm-hmm. And then you'll realize the karmic effect of walking outside of those boundaries. So you try to walk in the boundaries makes you relieved and at ease and moves you towards a space of yoga or this idea of a calm mind, no noise, no karmic weight, no, you know, this idea of freedom. And uh, so you do things to move towards freedom. And, that is, and one of the best things you could do is operate in order because the world's in order. Mm. So if you just have, if you were enlightened, you would have choiceless awareness. You would move in choiceless awareness, you would just do God's will or the will of the greater collective. Mm-hmm. And that would include your first chakra, your Mulandara chakra would always be covered mm-hmm. because you take care of yourself so you could take care of others. Mm-hmm. And then you become a servant, full servant, you have no need for stuff and neediness, which is the cause of suffering anyway. Mm-hmm. This is a wrap because I need everything right now, but I'm aware of it. And I move towards it as much as I can. I didn't miss yoga this morning. I missed meditation this morning. You know, I, um, how, how much I didn't time miss a day? The opportunity to, how much huh? time a day, uh, Russell, do you spend in spiritual practice on an ideal day? On uh, a, good a day? lot of time. I waste a lot. Of, I mean, I spend a lot of time in spiritual practice because I, I meditate twice a day, mm-hmm. right? And then I got to drive to yoga. I always think of drive and drive back. So somebody asked me how long it really took. It takes 20 minutes to get to class. An hour and 15-minute class, 20 minutes to get back to where I'm going. So that, that every day happens, no matter what. I don't give, I don't give what planet I'm on. We're going to find a hot vinyasa or a vinyasa practice, and I'm going to go, no mm-hmm. matter what. So that is, you know, um, and one out of every month or two months, I miss one. Mm-hmm. Like yesterday, mm-hmm. Detroit. Last month in Detroit, I drove a zillion miles to get to a yoga class in between radio interviews. Mm-hmm. Good Remember that, Sagan? I was in Detroit, and I went to <laughs> yoga. I went somewhere. It was, a, it was crazy. It wasn't even Detroit. It was like somewhere way outside of Detroit. <laughs> it was a bunch of White House wives. But it was a deeply spiritual class. They taught uh-huh. scripture and everything. That's great. No, not North Carolina. That too. But, yeah, you got to drive away from the hood. But we need to have yoga everywhere. So should we have it in the schools, Russell, for the kids? We should have meditation. And, yeah, they have teacher programs right. in the schools. Yeah. 
especially in schools like in the hood where you ain't got nothing but sit at the desk all day, no gym. Right. You right. need to have kids stretch and work the, the, right. the, the parts of their body and have circulation. Right. Everyone should have circulation right. every day. Right. And then you should not sit in the classroom for seven, eight hours and don't do yeah. shit, but sit yeah. in the classroom. We, it's we horrible. Know, yeah, we know David Lynch. And meditation, is, I'm, I'm on the David Lynch Foundation. Yeah. We've given it to hundreds of thousands of kids, and we want to continue that process. Mm-hmm. Yes, and um, we, we both uh, are very familiar with the David Lynch Foundation and uh, our mutual friend Bobby Roth who uh, helped us get you on this show, and they're doing oh, wonderful work. Very close friend of ours, yeah. Oh, well, there we go, small world. Small yeah. world, man, yeah. Uh, speaking of which, you've been uh, publicly associated uh, with uh, Transcendental Meditation, also with uh, Yogananda. In fact, you and I are co-stars. <laughs> We're I both see that shit. I, please, I saw a rough cut. Of Awake? Very... Uh, yeah, and I, they they created for me. Yeah, and I was at my house, and I and I said I challenged them to go back. <clears throat> this is now people watch it. I've only gotten great feedback. It's, yeah. Nothing. It's very nothing good. but great feedback. But I don't understand how you have a whole book full of miracles and make a. a the, the thing that made Yogananda exciting, he he promoted faith as he watched it more, read the book more and more times. He believed each miracle to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, the enlightened being sees, the yogi or the jiva mukta sees things that we don't see. He is put in places that we don't get to go. Mm. This is what made Yogananda special. To make him an ordinary being to some degree was, seemed to diminish his greater value. Well, I'd love to know what you think when you see the final film. I've got to watch it. I keep saying yeah, I've got to watch it. Yeah, it Netflix. Yes. yes, it is on Netflix. Netflix. I've got to watch it. I'm yeah. in it, so I've seen it five times. You're in it. And you in it? You've seen it five times? <laughs> that's a, you're a ham. <laughs> you are a ham. I cannot believe, sir, that you've seen that movie. Well, I've I read the book, Yogananda, 500 times, but I think reading his autobiography is inspiring faith. Didn't you yes. miss the miracles? Uh, well, in a sense, but it's kind of there. Um, you can't do everything in a film, and I don't want to comment on the film. I saw break, it five times. Why? It's good. People love it. I just think, as a, as a devotee, <laughs> yeah. that his, it diminished to some degree his <laughs> impact on those deep devotees, because it did not to us. We know better. We just yeah. said, why didn't we talk about every chapter he visited someone who no one got to see or just heard about. Yeah. Uh, well, so you, those people uh, were great inspirations to the world and they were miracle workers and he was placed in at the feet of these miracle workers and therefore those miracles needed to be part of his life story because that's what makes him mm-hmm. yogananda that's why his travels were so anyway that's just I, I won't. No one else um, seems to care about that either. By the way, other devotees love it. I no know. I know. People, uh, people love the autobiography for the miracles, and some like it in spite of the miracles. But even those who watch the movie uh, don't. No one's told me what I said about it. Well, you have only, to see it. I think they don't. Re- they're not people who read the book. Like, I, you know, Russ, I've seen you on Awake. You know, or, you know, or some, I'm in India and I watched Awake. You know, I'm in Dubai and I watched Awake. <laughs> Friends from everywhere. Yeah, and I'm thinking about India and Dubai. Great there's, there's some great footage of Yogananda, and just seeing him without him saying anything, Russell, you get the whole feeling of enlightenment. I saw the part where he had his eyes wide open. That, that image yeah. still there was oh, sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll be curious to see what you think of the film. And for the record, I only saw it five times because I was asked to do Q&A afterward. Okay. So I wasn't, <laughs> wasn't just to watch five myself. times in the movie. We all love to watch I saw Crutch Group five times, too. How's that? Uh, okay. The movie's 30 years old, but I'm 35 years old. <laughs> I'm actually working on a biography of Yogananda. And really? I'll, yes, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you... I'll, perhaps interview you for it, but we want to get back to you. So you have this, the, these associations with a lot of different yogic pathways, and I saw on Wikipedia, at least, I don't know how reliable it is, but you said uh, Wikipedia's book. Can you look up Wikipedia and see if it still says I'm married to a girl from Alaska? I, I will. <laughs> it but it does, so it does say that you've, you refer to yourself no. as, a, as a Christian yogi. And I was a wondering... Yogi. Yogananda said that. I'm a Christian in that um, my brother, one day, I remember this years ago, my brother who's a reverend at St. Bart's, it was Christmas Eve. With my ex-wife, Reverend Run, his kids, everybody, my kids were very young. We were on a, like a little catamaran, which was our thing to do near Christmas Eve all the time. And we talked about spirituality. And I, no, but does it, is it, is it, I'm just joking. Does it say anything? Is it a real bio or is it fake? Um, it's not um, on Wikipedia. We yeah. were arguing. I said, all of these great masters came. Something Farrakhan always says. It said, Farrakhan said that in different colors at different times and, um, and in different regions, God sent his, his messengers to set us on proper path. He says, Abraham came. And he said they died. There were no Jews, but Jews came after that when Christ came, came and he inspired and he died, there were no Christians, they came afterwards. Mm -hmm. That the Muslims, Muhammad came and taught, he said, I want you Muslims to hear. It was a million people, there were mostly not that many Muslims, probably whatever number of nation Islam guys. And he died and no, no one came. And then Muslims followed. Then he said, Buddha the same. Mm -hmm. He said, the prophets came and left. And the gang started later. Beautiful speech. <laughs> uh, you, you know, and he said it all one God by different names. You know, that was his rap at the Million Family Month. Beautiful, beautiful rap. But that's kind of the, the fact that we all, through meditation, can write a scripture. Mm -hmm. Through deep mm -hmm. meditation, we would know instinctively what God wanted from us. That's why I said choiceless awareness. And I was, you know, the question you asked me, I didn't even answered about it, and I just got lost. What was the question? Uh, you refer to yourself as a Christian yogi. And oh, yeah. Oh, so reverence. I tell him all this stuff. The reverend, the rev says, <laughs> he said, well, you got to realize that all, they could all come. And if they were all ballplayers, it would be Jordan. Jesus would be Jordan. He's the one who could dunk backwards. <laughs> I'm like, Rev, he said, with us, Jesus can dunk backwards. Them other niggas can't dunk junk backwards. <laughs> dunk backwards. I said, Rev, I guess if you say, he's no, but just know that of all who came, they were all great God's messengers, whatever, but who could dunk backwards? <laughs> I, I said, Rev. He said, that, he said, Jesus was Jordan. Accept that. And he held my head and said, he went into like, the Reverend Run stuff. I was like, all right, Jesus can dunk backwards. So I guess that made me a Christian yogi, but I never right, yeah, thought right. of it such. Isn't that funny? Like, right. they, yeah, all came, yeah. they could all come and go, but Jesus was, you know, <laughs> I said, yeah. I said, all right, Rev, if you say so. I don't know if I'm a Christian. I remember, I think if I was a yogi and I had to pick a religion, I'd probably join the the Buddhist, the Buddhist gang. Right? Mm. Right. Because I joined that gang first. Yeah, Russell, you, you've done a lot, both in the material world and the spiritual world. 
Where do you see your life going from here in the next five, ten years, if you can? Where, what would you like to well, accomplish? What more would you like to do? This is a mess because I'm 58. Um, I think I'm older than my girlfriend, younger than my girlfriend. She's 28. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I, I have a lot to do. I don't feel tired mm-hmm. or I, I don't feel threatened by my age. I'm building a company. I'm sitting here with a lot of young kids, all deaf digital. We're developing three billion movies and God knows how many TV shows. And we're shooting com- comedy and now more political stuff for all deaf digital. I have many foundations uh, that underwrite art education or inner city kids or underwrite schools in Africa or um, putting Muslims and Jews together in 50 countries or I got a lot of shit. Mm. And then I got a new clothing company. I'm shipping new pennies. We give all the profit away. Uh, I hate what they did to destroy the urban fashion uh, revolution because it put a lot of money in the hood. But we're starting that over. Uh, Argyle culture goes to pennies. Huge number of stores. I'm opening a yoga studio, Tantris, at Soho House because I found that when I taught Oprah to meditate, she taught the world. Taught Ellen DeGeneres to meditate, she taught the world. Not me, Bobby Roth. I sent Bobby to mm-hmm. both of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So by doing that, I was insp- instrumental in moving the crowd. Like right now, I'm right. going to Flint. Bringing the water is cool, but the cover of Yahoo is cooler. Mm-hmm. Celebrity is valuable. So to move the masses, what's the best way? Get a, b- a bunch of big mouth people to go to a deeply devotional yoga practice. Because, mm. you know, there's a lot of yoga in L.A., but right. hot yoga as well. But no one teaching a lot of scripture. I want to teach scripture. I want to play Kanye West and Krishna Das. I want to make it fun. <laughs> I love right. it. So I'm opening Tantris, the yoga studio. Where is it going to be? I want to be there for the opening. Yeah, where is it? Uh, we're we're we going. We hope the end of April, but that's just, you know. Very good. In L.A.? But very soon. In L.A., at, at the Soho House, the right. entrance, 9020 90, Sunset Boulevard. That's where we're going to open. Excellent. So it's going to be a great place with a lot of devotional practice, but a good hard vinyasa that people feel like they did something. Mm-hmm. The only place we have now spiritual seems to be the Kundalini places. So right. anyway, that's just my, so I, and that's some of the stuff. I got a lot of stuff I'm building. So while I'm building stuff, I don't really worry about like five or 10 years. I just want to just keep having a good time every day, right. do what's in front of me. Right. And, and your and, youth, and your try youth. to be a good servant. And I have, you know, uh, enough energy. I don't think I'm going to die. I, I hear old people say it all the time. I had a guy in here, 100 years old, pitching me an animated film from scratch. Like the movie <laughs> can't get made for seven years. So, and I looked at him. I'm like, is he going to? You know, I don't know. Same with me. Maybe you think I got too much on my plate and I can't deliver out of them. Maybe I can, but I'm certainly going to work every day. And I'm going to stay useful. Well, you've done a good job so far. I don't see why I shouldn't continue. I think I can do more meaningful stuff than build record companies mm-hmm. uh, and and comedy shows. I'm only shooting a new pilot for HBO, a bunch of comedy stuff. So, but I think I can do stuff that's meaningful, like helping people in Flint, like you know, pushing to get the college education for every student. Mm-hmm. You know, Bernie Sanders rap, try to get Hillary Clinton to say it, to admit it, put so she can become the nominee and possibly win mm-hmm. for Trump be the president. Anyway, so yeah. I'm working. I'm trying to be servant and, and trying to do as good as well, I can and not try to hurt too many people. Right, right. We, we appreciate your time so much. And again, the book, The Happy Vegan. The book, The Happy living, Vegan, right? Li- the li- it's guide a to Living a book. Long, Healthy, and Successful Life, which you're doing, it sounds like. 
Thank you. Let me just say one more thing about the book. It's, it's really simple. It's like people who don't read can read it, like in a second. It's remedial at best, as my 12-year-old says. Uh, it's a very simple book, but I will say that it is a compelling argument and an easy path. And we hope that people, if they want to save the planet and the, the suffering of the animals, but most people, it's a compelling argument for them to, to stop killing themselves mm -hmm. because the American government is lying to you when they tell you that this Western diet is worth anything. It's killing people. And we want to save your life and you know, feel better and lighter and happier. And it's easy. So the book shows you an easy path to a plant-based diet. Thank you so much. Well, can I ask you one quick question about that? Yeah. I know it will be on people's mind. You said it's an easy path to it. I know a lot of people who think, well, I should be vegetarian. Maybe it would be good for me to be vegan. But I've been eating meat my whole life. It, Your diet, it ain't like quitting cocaine. Believe me, I quit cocaine. I quit heroin. <laughs> I quit angel dust. That shit is cigarettes. All that shit is way harder than quitting meat. Meat is easy. Okay. All right? And you Meat's have easy. Pick Monday. Monday, go to a Chinese restaurant and have, have curry, eggplant, and, and spinach and broccoli. Put a lot of sauce all over brown rice and be right. good. And then Monday afternoon, go to Taco Bell and get a taco and take the cheese out and put guacamole. Uh -huh. Stop playing. It's easy. Right. Russell, go out there and do it. Thank, thank you, you so much for your time. Thank <laughs> Thanks, you so Russell. very much.